Christ the Lord is risen today. Good morning and happy Easter. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors around here. We are so excited that you've joined us today. It is such a special holiday that we've been celebrating called Easter Resurrection Sunday. And oh my goodness, what a joyful day we have. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, worship with us.
Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Uh, as we continue to celebrate the fact that he has risen, uh, let's read together Luke's account of what happened that morning in Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. the 
would you pray with me this prayer of gratitude, exaltation, praise of the King of Kings. Pray with me. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. A free gift we did not deserve. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your one and only son to die for us so that we may have eternal life. You are life. You are love. You are freedom, salvation. And in you, there is fullness of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name.
Good to good. He rose from the dead. You may all be seated. My name is Todd, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here as well. And uh, we've come to celebrate, obviously, the resurrection of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, I actually think this would be simpler if we didn't have this account of Jesus' resurrection in the Bible, if he hasn't really risen from the dead. Because here's what almost everybody agrees on, almost everybody. Jesus was a remarkable model of how we ought to treat one another. He was an example of what love looks like, looking out for others, helping others. It's the most prevalent view out there in the world. Guys like Gandhi held this view. He was a great man who set an example that everyone should follow and the world would be a better place. Dr. Albert Schweitzer was known as an exemplary humanitarian. He gave his life to encourage others. He had a doctorate in music, in theology, and medicine. He gave his life as a missionary on the west coast of Africa to bring love. What motivated him? 
the model of Jesus. But he didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going to tell you, this idea, which is the most prevalent view of Jesus out there in the world, that he's just this great man who sets this exemplary example of how life to be lived and, and people end up following it, it makes no sense to me. He claimed to be God for pity's sakes. I mean, you can say he did some good things, but you got to consider him a nut or a liar. The predominant view of Jesus in the world makes no sense. Given the fact he rose from the dead. Because I'm going to tell you, you rise from the dead, that requires, that demands, it has to be dealt with. And when you rise from the dead, you can't say he was just a good example of how we ought to live. That's who he said he was. The almighty God coming into this world for us because he loved us. Now, we've been working through John for some time here as a congregation. Last week, we got to the part that John's been building this text in this book to his crucifixion. Today, his resurrection. What John wants us to see from the text today, we're going to look at Jesus' encounter with Mary Magdalene, the first person he appears to is that when somebody encounters the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, they're just never the same. Ever. Here's how John records Jesus' revelation to Mary after he rose from the dead. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, the one whom Jesus loved. He wants us to understand he had a special relationship. And he said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with John and they were going toward the tomb, and both of them were running together. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. He went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. 
But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she swept, swept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm sending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Father, I pray that the reality, that the truth of what you have inspired John to write here about this historical event would penetrate our minds, would penetrate our hearts. I pray that you would empower us to see, to know, to believe, to trust in, to treasure the living Lord Jesus. That's my prayer, Father. I make it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So three things that I believe John really wants us to see from this passage. The first is, when we meet Jesus, it's because he comes to us. Now, I love this account. Mary goes to the tomb early. She's there before anybody else. The stone is rolled away, and she presumes that somebody has taken the body. Not an uncommon practice in that day to steal a dead body. She just presumes. So she runs back. She finds Peter and John and tells them, and then they run to the tomb. And you got to love the competitiveness of men, right? Because John, he, he's going to sneak in there. Hey, Peter got a little head start, but I beat him to the tomb. <laughs> Most likely just a little younger. John gets to the tomb. He looks in. He sees the burial clause of Jesus, but he doesn't go in. Peter goes in, good old Peter. He's a little slower afoot, but he gets there, and he's the first one now actually to enter the tomb. He sees the claws there. Then John, after Peter goes in, he goes in as well. And they, the claws are there, they lay. Somebody set them appropriately. Jesus. And John tells us he believed. At that moment, it struck John that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, it's interesting he doesn't record him telling anybody else that. But again, he points out there, none of these folks understood that he had to rise from the dead, even though Jesus had told them. Then Mary's at the tomb. And it's a little awkward here. Was she just outside the tomb? I think less likely. Those guys ran to the tomb, I think most likely, and John doesn't give a specific detail. She got there later. She looks into the tomb. She sees the cloths. And there are two angels. And they say to her, woman, 
not derisive in the original language. Not an expression of intimacy, but more like, if you're older, a man today. Woman, why are you weeping? They took my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. She's standing at the door of the tomb, and she recognizes somebody behind her. She presumes to be the gardener. And he says to her, same exact question, woman, why are you weeping? Adds another question. Whom are you looking for? I'm looking for my Lord. And if you've taken him, just tell me where you put him. Don't desecrate this body of somebody who was so important to me. You just tell me where he is, and I'll go get him, and I'll take care of his body. Then one word. Jesus says to her one word. And her life is forever changed. He simply says, Mary. She'd heard that man before. Say her name. that voice. I think back to John 10 where Jesus had said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now I've asked for a long time why doesn't Jesus just stay in the tomb? I mean, you want to make a big appearance? Just stay in the tomb. The juxtaposition, they laid your dead body in a tomb. You want to have a CNN moment you want to have a YouTube video that goes viral, stay in the stinking dome. Have those guys show up, bedclothes are lying there, and you say to them, where you been? I've been looking for you. Here's my conviction of why. We're going to look at it next week as well when he appears to the other disciples. We look for Jesus, but he wants us to understand this. When we find him, it's not primarily because we're looking for him, because he was looking for us. He left the glory of heaven and came to this earth. He rose from the dead, and even then he finds us. 
I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey here today. Maybe you're a longtime follower of Christ. Maybe you're actually trying to figure out who this guy is, searching for him. Maybe you're just here because this is where you go on Easter. Here's what I hope you hear right now. Jesus calling you by name. Because here's the reality right now. He's coming to every one of us. So my hope is you can hear your head. Julie, Art, Brent, Susie. Here's what I hear. Todd. Think. John also wants us to see we meet Jesus because he comes to us and he meets us where we are. There's not a lot written about Mary Magdalene. She's referenced in all four Gospels. Luke tells us in the eighth chapter, she was a young woman who was demonized by seven demons. He doesn't elaborate, and I don't think Luke elaborates because he doesn't need to. There's just an understanding. If you're demonized by seven demons, life pretty much stinks. There's an emotional weight, sadness, grief that I can't begin to imagine or describe. I guarantee you with that, there was physical misery. Most importantly, you're living in a spiritually dark world. When the ultimate enemy of good and of God puts seven of his emissaries in somebody, it stinks. Hard for me to imagine anything worse in this world. But Jesus heals her. I don't think there's any wonder why she gives the rest of her life to following him. He did in her life what nobody else could do. And Luke tells us in the eighth chapter again that she and some other women were helping support Jesus and the disciples financially. They committed to being a part of this group that is now following Jesus. Some suggest she was a prostitute. No. It makes the story better. But no. In Luke chapter 7, uh, uh, Luke records a Mary, the most popular name back there for women, who anointed Jesus' feet, and Luke tells us she was a sinner. Undoubtedly, that Mary lived a promiscuous life and had access to Jesus, and he was there and he welcomed her. But not this Mary. In more recent history, we've got people that like to suggest she and Jesus had an intimate, romantic, physical relationship. What people do to make stories more interesting? No. But she committed to following this guy because he healed her. And this whole 
group and Jesus is the leader is building momentum and they're coming to see him as the king of the Jews. She'd seen him face persecution and hardship. He always handled it so well that then he was betrayed. She kept waiting for the triumphant moment when he would turn the tables, hand it over to Pilate, and she knew it was coming because he was like, nobody else, he's going to turn this whole thing around. Wait for it to happen. And she watched him as they hung him on the cross. She loved this guy. She was devoted to this guy. She, like all those that were following him, like the disciples, had such high hopes. And then they were destroyed. Demolished. And her hope had been turned into despair. And depression. He'd been so significant in her life. She just wanted to respect his dead body. Now, what I love about Jesus, so many things. When he comes to Mary, he just says, Mary. You know what he could have said to her? You really weren't listening. You really weren't paying attention. I told you exactly what was going to happen, Mary. Quite frankly, I'm a little disappointed that you're looking for my dead body. I told you, I was going to rise from the dead. I'm thrilled that you're happy to see me, but I'm a little disappointed. None of that from Jesus. You're here today. Long time connection to church and to this story. And you love the energy when we sing those songs on Easter. But you're wondering a little bit, you've been following Jesus for a long time, why aren't I a little more excited every day? What's wrong with me? My faith just feels a little complacent. I ought to be more excited about Jesus. Just not. Maybe beating yourself up for where you are in the journey. Maybe you're here today and you're actually trying to figure this Jesus guy out. You're here today because you're trying to sort it out. You guys in this room, you guys online, because you're trying to figure out what is the truth about this Jesus guy. Here's my sense for people who are seeking for Jesus. They come from one of two places. One, they've gotten to the place, they're young adults, they've gotten most of the joy this world has to offer, and it's just not quite satisfying. Others, the majority of people who as adults start singing, 
Life starts falling apart and dealing with problems and issues. That's where you are today. I think it's Jesus trying to call out your name. But as I deal with people who are searching for Jesus, almost always in all culture, they bring this feeling with them. I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to start coming to church. I just have to get my life in order. I just got to quit being such a big sinner. I just got to quit doing all these bad things. And as soon as I clean up my life, I'm looking at Jesus. As soon as I make myself better, I'll come to him. Jesus comes to us and he comes to us wherever we are. Maybe you're just what I affectionately refer to affectionately as a sea and ear. You're here because it's Easter. And we'll see you at Christmas again. We're thrilled you're here. Welcome. Jesus right now is calling your name. And here's all he's saying. I love you. Wherever we're at, he's just saying, I love you. Jesus comes to us. He meets us where we are. And because we meet him, our lives are never, ever the same. Ever. Mary heard her name, and she was never the same. Now, we've got a part of the text that I feel is one of the difficult ones in Scripture. I'm going to tell you what I think Jesus is saying here. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Now, here's what I think is happening. She didn't recognize Jesus because she presumed he was dead as a doornail. So even though she looked at him, though he had predicted he was going to rise from the dead, she couldn't imagine it. And then he said her name. You know what she did? She ran to him and embraced him and held him tight. This was too good to be true. She couldn't conceive of it. And now there he was. And so what did she do? She hung to him. She clung to him. She embraced him. Jesus said, you don't have to cling to me as though if you somehow let go, I'm going to immediately disappear. Rose from the dead. I'm here. Now, Mary, you still don't have a thorough understanding of what's just happened. And eventually, in 40 days, I'm going to ascend to the Father. And we don't have much recorded about what Jesus did with the disciples and those followers. I'm using disciples not of just the 11 there left, but in the broadest sense of all those who were following him. What do you think he did? 
he gave him 40 days of a power course on who he was and how this gospel worked. I'm alive. I predicted all of this. Now I love you. I'm not mad. But let's make clear who I am and what I've just done. God Almighty, second person of the Trinity. I left the glory of heaven and I came down here for you guys. I lived among you to be a great example of what God's love looks like and what those who have experienced his love, how they ought to live towards others. Came ultimately to glorify the Father. Secondarily and penultimately, to save your sorry rear ends. Because I love you. You guys watched me die. I know you grieved for me, but you really didn't understand why I was there. While I was hanging from that tree, all your sins, every one of them, every stinking one of them, for some of us there are more than others, but for every one, Jesus said they went on me. And I'm alive today to absolutely verify and prove that I have kicked the rear end of Satan and of death. And all you have to do is treasure me, trust me, believe in me, follow me. That's it. That's what's happened. And your life will never be the same. And I love these words of Jesus and don't miss them. As he talks to Mary, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father. Because of who I am and what I've just done, you now are empowered to become children of God. And he's not just my father anymore. Now he's also your father. To my God, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. This stuff very familiar. You're searching. You're here because it's Easter. Here's my hope and prayer for every individual that's in this room, for every one of you watching online. That you can say about God, He is your Father. say about God, he's not just God, he's your God. You got questions? You're trying to figure out what that looks like? Talk to me, talk to somebody else around here. Just treasure Jesus, trust Jesus. That is the answer. You want peace? You want to hope? 
You want to have a joy that's present when life stinks? Walk through this life with the resurrected Jesus by our side. There is absolutely nothing in the world that will satisfy and provide that kind of joy. They went to the tomb. They're looking for the Jesus body. They found the resurrected Christ. My hope is this morning, you hear Jesus. Every one of you, in love, in grace, saying your name. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for sending Jesus into this world. Thanks. Thanks for having Jesus <laughs> rise from the dead. We have a living Jesus. Oh, Father, there is absolutely nothing better than walking with Jesus. from being born into darkness but finding you being redeemed for greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world we're grateful that as we face trials of various kinds that we can count it all joy I'm grateful that God's goodness is running after me always I was once lost, unseen and unknown, buried deep in my sin and muck. But Jesus, he found me, washed me, and made me a shiny, clean, new treasure. I thank the Lord 
for bringing truth and certainty into my life. Thank you, Lord, for making my path straight and being a bright light for me to follow. We are thankful that even in times of trouble, he tells us to be still and that he will be glorified. So thankful that I know that my hope is in Christ alone. I'm thankful that God has a plan even when things are not the plan that I wanted. I thank God that through his son, I am enough. Last year, I struggled with my faith and didn't believe God was there for me anymore. Through this church, I have built back up my relationship with God and have faith in him. Thank you, Jesus. That for those of us that are within, that are in you, that nothing is ever truly lost because you came to make all things new. I'm so thankful that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your grace, strength, and wisdom. Thank you for walking with me through my pain and for taking me from passive to active. Thank you, Jesus, that while you're Lord of Lords and King of Kings, you're still the friend of friends. I'm grateful that we can live every day in confidence because the scripture tells us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord, for peace of mind in seasons of uncertainty. I'm thankful that we don't have to fear because he is with us. We can be grateful because it is for freedom that he has set us free. Free from shame, free from guilt, free from condemnation, and freedom to love. Jesus, in you there is life. Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall raise. And now it's your turn. Just for a few minutes, just close your eyes. Remember all the blessings, all the miracles, and the goodness of God. Take your moment between you and the Lord for just a few moments. We still have to do this.
is so faithful and so good. You got to love this God. He just does things like we wouldn't do. How does he bring victory into our world and establish his kingdom? Through an apparent defeat, through death. But he rises from the dead. And who does he use to communicate this? Ordinary people, don't miss this. He comes into the world... His mother is a nobody, Mary. He picked 12 guys to follow him, all planned, but Judas betrays him, so there are 11 left. They're the key guys in terms of promoting the foundation of the church. But don't miss this. Who's the first person to whom he appeared? Mary Magdalene. And he tells her, go tell those other guys I'm alive. Oh, so good to celebrate the resurrected Christ. 
You know, the only thing that's just as good as getting together and celebrating the love of God, the goodness of God, is leaving here to bring that goodness to all those people out in the world. That's what we do. That's who we are. We get together because it is special to celebrate. Then we go out to folks who are lost and are broken that Jesus is looking for. And he's using us. Have a great Easter with your family and your friends. Have a great week. Bring the love of the resurrected Christ to everybody with whom we interact. Love y'all.